Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. All right, everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Bitter, and today I have a solo episode for you. Today's episode is Long Intervals Simplified. So this is part of a series of episodes I've been doing. I started them out with an episode that is titled Endurance Training Simplified. And after I recorded that one, it is actually episode 344 for those of you wondering, I thought to myself, this is a fun episode to simplify things for people who are either new to endurance training or have been doing it and are just a little bit confused about maybe how to structure their workouts, where to start, where to place them and things like that. And although it's definitely not a like blueprint as to this is the best way to prepare for your race or any race for that matter. I do think it simplifies it enough where it gives people some clear, actionable things to think about and really, really get good at before you start getting overly creative and overly structured with like what I would maybe call like fancier workouts and fancier structures and things like that. I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with getting creative with your workouts, especially if it makes it more exciting and gets you out the door, so to speak. I just think there's a lot that can be learned by really kind of narrowing it down to just a few intensities that are going to be very important to learn, understand, recognize the perceived effort of, uh, and then just master those really well before you start adding some of that other stuff in a lot of cases. So I thought that'd be a valuable episode. Once I recorded it, I realized the different components I talked about within it could be broken down for some short episodes just to dive a little bit deeper into each one of those. So if people listen to that, I'm like, this is great. This really helps me narrow down a set of intensities I should be focusing on and even understand a little better the order of operations of when to do them. I would like to know a little bit more about each one of them. So I thought I would do a single episode that just focused on each one of the intensities I talked about in the Endurance Training Simplified episode 344. So After that, I recorded an episode recently called Short Intervals Simplified. That's episode 346 for those of you who want to know. And I'm going to add to that with this week's Long Intervals Simplified. Ultimately, I'll end up doing one on base intensity, which I consider kind of the high end of the easy category. Some people would call it zone two or up to your aerobic threshold. Uh, I like to break the easy category essentially into kind of two, since it is a rather large category of intensity. And one is just like a very easy recovery intensity. And one is kind of the higher end of that where you are, like I said, pushing right up to your, uh, your, your aerobic threshold at times. So I'm a bit on the fence right now, if I'm going to do that as two episodes or just one, uh, we'll see kind of how maybe these first two land, and then I'll decide whether I'll, I'll do that. I did actually have another episode recently too that could fit well within this series. And it is called um, the long run, considering the variables. Uh, I kind of like to have it in there because I do think the long run is an important aspect of endurance training and understanding kind of the different variables and the hows and whys that you would consider structuring in a certain way is probably worth kind of considering and knowing if you're putting together your training program. Uh, I think it's good enough where I wouldn't want to actually re-record another one specifically to the long run for a couple reasons. One, I recorded that episode and two, it sort of does a lot of times fit within the intensities that I'm going to talk to talk about. And the only time that would really change is if your race, if you had a such situation where let's say you're training for like a marathon and your long run becomes like the 
opportunity to have a very race day specific workout. So you may embed marathon pace inside that long run. And if your marathon finishing time is fast enough, you may actually end up in a good chunk of that long run in a moderate intensity, which puts you in a position where you may be between different intensities that I've talked about on these episodes. So that leads me to mention, I may add one more episode to this, which is just race pace intensity simplified, where I talk about the times when let's say you're doing a race where the intensity deviates from some of the ones that I talked about versus falling neatly within one, when you would maybe want to actually introduce what some people may consider like a gray area intensity into your training plan in order to practice the specific pace intensity that you're actually going to be doing on race day when you kind of have that goal target time and pace. For those of you who are wondering, I think the long run considering the variables was episode 337. So if you're looking to go back and check that out, feel free to look it up and episode 337. Also, if you're interested in just checking out the back catalog on any episodes, I do have a landing page. It's just zachbitter.com forward slash HPO, where all the episodes are cataloged there with their descriptions, titles, and notes. So that's kind of a good spot to go if you're looking to catch up on episodes or find episodes that you don't remember the title or the number for. Before we get rolling, just a few quick announcements. If you are interested in checking out any of my coaching offerings from pre-made plans to one-on-one work and consultations, please head over to my website, which is zachbitter.com. If you would like to support the podcast and also join the show's Patreon page, which does get you early release ad-free audio versions of the show, you can head over to zachbetter.com forward slash HPO. Also, if you happen to be in Austin, whether you're permanently in Austin or visiting, I help host a group run on Sunday mornings. Right now, we have a small group at 8 a.m. and a larger group at 9 a.m. Sunday mornings, we meet at Metz Park. Details from week to week for that can be found on the Instagram page for the group run, which is just at OutliersATX. Finally, this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast is brought to you by my friends at Element Electrolytes. A while back, I actually got my sweat rates tested. And I found out that I lose approximately 614 milligrams of electrolytes per liter of fluid. So I use that information to help guide my electrolyte supplementation when I'm out there training and racing. What this means is I have some options. I have some options because Element T has a variety of them. And the couple that I tend to lean on is if I'm heading out for a longer run in the morning and want to load up on some electrolytes before I head out, I will usually use a third to a half a pack of one of their savory flavors like chocolate or something like that in my coffee that I have in the morning. And then if I'm going to be out there for a while and I'm going to need more electrolytes due to fluid loss throughout the course of that run, I will add one of their fruit flavors to my hydration. Uh, Right now I've been using watermelon the most for the fruit flavors, but if you're interested in checking out all of their options, you can head over to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO. And if you use that URL, you will also be able to get a free sample pack of each one of their flavors with your first purchase. So you can figure out which ones are your go-to flavors that you like the most. Links to that will also be in the show notes, as well as on the show sponsor landing page, which is just zachbitter.com forward slash HPO spot. All right. So let's jump into long intervals simplified. So first of all, what is a long interval? A long interval is structured in a way that I like to describe 
as a two to one work to rest ratio. So if you remember from the short interval simplified, I like to break those into one to one work to rest ratio. So every minute of work you do, you do a minute of recovery. So if you structure that short interval as two minutes, be two minutes on two minutes off, you structure it three minutes, three minutes, three on three minutes off. We're looking at kind of building our long intervals in the same way, but with a two to one work to rest ratio. So for this, I really like timeframes between about eight minutes up to around 15 minutes. Once I get past 15 minutes, I'm usually looking at it more as like a tempo run where you're not doing intervals any longer. You may be targeting the same intensity, but you're doing just a continuous pace without the break. Uh, I typically like long intervals better than tempo runs when targeting this intensity, because I think you can get more volume over time by giving yourself that break. Or the other way to maybe look at it is get more high quality volume within any one training session without necessarily increasing your recovery need by a meaningful amount enough where you're actually taking a future workout off the table. So an example of that would be maybe I do say a 20 minute tempo run and by the end of it, the quality is starting to suffer a little bit. But if I do three by eight minutes with four minutes break in between, so you'd have that eight minutes on four minutes off two to one work to rest ratio, I'm able to do all 24 minutes. So more total volume and also maintain the quality. So I get better quality and better volume for that particular workout. So for these workouts, the intensity you're trying to hit with this is going to be between your aerobic threshold and those, those uh, short intervals, which are pin sort of your VO2 max I talked about in episode 346. A lot of people are going to look at this as kind of their lactate threshold is what you may hear called, or a lot of people will call it a tempo run. I try to simplify it and normalize it for everybody by just telling people it's going to be approximately the pace you could sustain in a race day setting for 60 minutes. So if you did a race and it took you roughly 60 minutes to finish and you gave it a really good hard push, you treated it like a true race. That's the intensity that we're looking for, for these long intervals. Now, if you have done a race that's taken you around that amount of time, you can use that data, at least in the, you know, the current training block that you're doing to guide these workouts where you want to be careful is if you pin that to pace, you're pinning that to a moving target. So you can't really rely upon that the way you want to. The way I like to look at these things is when you're deciding to train a specific intensity, you want that intensity to be constant throughout. So on week one, if I'm focusing on this intensity for these long intervals, when I get to maybe the end of it, let's say week six, maybe seven or eight, I'm going to be doing the workouts at the same intensities I did on week one. The hope is, is if I do a good job of them, it will just be done faster. So pace becomes a moving target. Intensity is the constant. Some people will use heart rate to gauge this. I think heart rate can be a reasonable post-workout analyst for a lot of these type of things. The issue you may run into by using heart rate with things like long intervals is sometimes they can be intense enough where your heart rate monitor isn't necessarily reflecting the data that you would want it to in a quick enough time frame for you to actually execute this workout without overshooting and then kind of course correcting. 
so I like to have people try to do it a little bit more on perceived effort. And if it's useful for you, if you do have a close proximity race like that, then you can pin it to pace for a little while because there won't be any adaptations that took place that would suggest you'd actually be running faster, say a week after that race. Uh, and you know you can you can trust that that's going to be pretty accurate. So as long as the environment is pretty similar, you could replicate that pace for a little while. But eventually, maybe after a couple workouts, you're going to want to be like aware enough of the effort you produced for those that you can just go out and do that intensity versus watching the pace because eventually what will happen is if you just keep watching the pace you'll notice the intensity gets easier and easier over time because that pace is no longer pinned to the actual intensity that you're trying to do if you uh, do want to track heart rate i think you can usually get a better look at that kind of after the workout when you have the data all uploaded assuming your monitor caught things accurately general rule of thumb is the chest rate strap monitors are going to probably be a little more reliable than the wrist-based ones not that the wrist-based ones can't be accurate. I think it just tends to be a little more varied from person to person as to how well they catch catch the heart rate there. And then ultimately, in either situation, you might have a little bit of a problem trying to gauge in the first, like, say, 60 seconds, two minutes, maybe even three minutes of one of those intervals to have it like actually get up into the heart rate that you're looking for to get in. So then, like I said before, you run the risk of looking down, recognizing, oh, the watch says I'm 10 beats lower than I should be, and you push harder. And even though your heart rate just hasn't caught up quite yet, you're pushing well past the intensity we're targeting, then you're forced to kind of course correct. And you just get a lopsided interval usually when you do things like that. So perceived effort is the name of the game. And one of the reasons why I like kind of going back to that episode of endurance training simplified is it does teach you a lot about understanding perceived effort at kind of the key intensities. And once you understand that, you'll be shocked at how easy it is for you to actually go out and be like, I know what this interval intensity feels like and go and do it and then go look at the heart rate and things like that afterwards and be surprised at how accurate you ended up were doing it compared to what you had done in the past. So it is one thing where I think it sounds a little more subjective than it actually is once you start to get an understanding by doing it in practice, doing it. Um, for those of you who are wondering, what do I do if I don't have a race setting where I had an intensity where it was roughly 60 minutes that I can pin that to. And, or another scenario is you do, but it was so long ago, it may not be a reliable depiction any longer. There are some field tests you can do as well that I like. The problem with field tests or the challenge I should say with field tests is it's highly unlikely that you're going to replicate a race day setting the way you would. So for example, when you show up at a race, a lot of times you're tapered. So your legs are nice and fresh. You're at the end of a training block. So you're likely about as fit as you're going to get within that kind of area of time. You have all the energy and uniqueness of a race day setting. Maybe there's crowds cheering of other people out there running with you. You may have like a rival or a friend there that you're trying to beat that gives you just that little bit of incentive to run faster than you would normally be able to. It really highlights something that I talked about with Steve Magnus when I had him on the up on the podcast in terms of just how much that kind of will or desire to go faster plays into performance. So to some degree, if you're going to do a time trial by yourself in training, when you're untapered, when you're, like I said, by yourself early in a training plan, it's not necessarily going to translate as perfectly if you just went out and ran 
that same 60 minutes. So a lot of times what I find is if you want to try to identify your 60 minute race day setting in practice, when you're untapered away from the race day environment, you can sometimes go as low as 30 minutes and get a decent look at it. So what I usually like to do is I'll have like a coaching client or myself, I'll go out and I'll just give 30 minutes, a good solid push. I won't try to destroy myself, but I'll run it nice and hard. Feel like I'm running like, like as evenly paced as I can for 30 minutes, but not like I'm going to drop dead when I finish it. And after that 30 minutes, I'll take a look at kind of the pace and the average heart rate of the last 20 minutes of that 30 minutes. And oftentimes that's a pretty good starting point to pin these long intervals to. Now, everyone's going to be a little different. So if you are the type of person who can just go out there by yourself and just absolutely slay a workout uh, and really go to the well, the similar to the way you would at a race, you might want to be a little careful with that because you could be just a little bit ahead from an intensity standpoint of what you're actually trying to target with these. So you can spot check that to some degree by looking at it kind of comparatively to what you would do, maybe your short intervals at. And if it's awfully close to that, you know, either you have like a very big adaptation within this intensity and a very underdeveloped adaptation to the short intervals, or you just pushed a little bit further off. And I think people who've done some of these things will start to recognize whether those are strengths or weaknesses in their training historically, or just the way they've kind of behaved as an athlete historically too, if you have a little bit of experience, but ultimately what you want to do is you can stress test this in your first few sessions. If you're going out and say doing a three by eight minute, a three by 10 minute, two by 12 minute, uh, two by 15 minutes, which are some pretty typical kind of frameworks that I like for these long intervals. And you find that you're just really struggling to maintain quality through those, or you're getting to the end of that last one and you're just not finishing it. That can just be a sign that you're pushing a little too hard. So you should be able to finish these long intervals at a two to one work to rest ratio in some of those frameworks that I just mentioned, feeling like you could do another one if you needed to. So if you're doing three by eight, when you finish that, that third one, you should feel like you got, got a good workout in, but you should feel like if I had to do another one for eight minutes, I could do it. Or if you're doing three by 10, if I had to do another 10 minutes, I could do it. That's kind of the way to maybe think about those. When you get to the, the really kind of sh like where it's like two by 15 minutes, you know, you might not feel great about doing another 15 minutes, but you should feel like it wouldn't be the end of the world if you had to go out and just maintain that pace for, you know, half that time or two thirds that time or something like that is, is a, is a reasonable expectation. So that's my general rule of thumb with speed work in general is if you're kind of hitting the dosage right, most times you shouldn't feel like you just run yourself dry the way you would at your A race when you finish that last interval. That's what I like to call a hero workout. Hero workouts, oftentimes what they end up doing is they may feel awesome after when you finish and you think about, wow, look what I just did. But a lot of times they overreach to the degree where now the time in which it would have been ideal for you to replicate that workout or another workout or any quality session ends up getting pushed back. You push that back and then you have to ask yourself, am I compromising my total time spent at the intensity I'm targeting and the quality I want for it by doing these workouts a little too hard or for a little too long? And if you do that continuously throughout your plan, what you oftentimes end up doing 
is you end up taking future workouts off the table, ending up with less overall volume at the intensity you're targeting, or you manage to get the workouts done, but the quality is lower than it would have been otherwise. So the following that kind of leave one or for short intervals, one or two reps in the tank, or for these longer intervals, one, or if they're a little bit longer, long intervals, half of one in the tank, that's a good general kind of thought process to kind of go into these. And I think what you'll end up noticing is you'll be able to recover in a reasonable amount of time and replicate that workout or a version of that workout or whatever quality session you have. And if you're following a more um, structure where you're doing multiple intensities at once, you won't find yourself falling behind in the training plan more or less. So the next thing to consider too, is just like what you should be looking at with these sort of things in terms of improvement for these intensity workouts whether they're long intervals or short intervals, we're usually looking at about four to six weeks in order for any real physiological adaptations to take place. That doesn't mean you won't run them faster earlier than that, because there's other things that come into play when it comes to actually running faster, like just your relative like exercise and comfort and belief that you're going to be able to replicate and things like that. Maybe you do it on a very similar route and you just get really comfortable with all the different turns and tangents on that route and things like that. And you just are able to better execute the, the workout itself. But reasonably speaking, you're going to want to spend about four to six weeks to get any of the actual physiological adaptations from any of these type of things. So whether you're blending your short intervals and your long intervals together in like a standard kind of Olympic distance plan where you maybe do like short intervals on a Tuesday, long intervals, tempo run type thing on a Thursday, maybe your long run on a Saturday, Sunday, or something like that, then, um, you know, you're going to want to be thinking about four to six weeks time to take adaptations. Um, one other thing I usually like to share with these is order of operations or positioning of these type of workouts. So really, I think what drives a lot of the order of operations is the event you're training for. And what I mean by that is when I'm deciding like when to prescribe a long interval or a short interval, or maybe no speed work at all, I'm looking at what the race is that the person is doing and more specifically what intensity they plan on competing in that event for then the timeline. So let's say you're doing something that is relatively close to the intensity that you would be doing these long intervals at. If that's the case, you're going to be wanting to be leaning in and making these type of workouts a priority as you get closer to that race itself. So this is where considering that four to six week adaptation timeline is going to be kind of an important thing. Because if you're going to be racing something that's going to be roughly this intensity, uh, you know, you want to give yourself enough time to be able to do that four to six weeks of these type of workouts before you can actually expect them to be really meaningful in terms of progressing your your race results. Now, if you're doing a race that's different from this intensity, so let's say you're like me and you're training for a hundred mile race. There's no way I'm going to be racing a hundred miles at the intensity that I could sustain for these long intervals. So they're still going to be important. They're just not going to be specific to the intensity I do on race day. So I'm going to want to move them earlier into the plan. So I still address them, but the opportunity cost of doing one of these versus say, maybe two, sometimes three training sessions that are going to be much closer to my hundred mile race intensity 
it becomes a non-issue because I haven't even entered the time where it's going to be ideal for me to really start building volume at a very low intensity that's specific to something like 100 miles. If it, it gets a little more, I think, interesting when you get into these events that sort of have a blend of things where they're sort of both short and long to some degree or moderate distance endurance events where you know, you may be kind of coming in and out of these different intensities, in which case those are the cases where I think like kind of keeping a little bit more of a balance between some of these intensities versus compartmentalizing them a bit more like I would do from least specific to most specific uh, for something longer, like a hundred mile. It doesn't mean you don't want to be thinking least specific to most specific. You still want to be doing that. It just means what is most specific is going to have a little bit more of a range in it as you get closer to the race itself. If you happen to be doing something like five Ks, 10 Ks, half marathons, or even marathons. So I'll say one more thing about this too. And it's like the reason I like to look at intensity on race day versus the distance itself is kind of the same as what I talked about when you're looking at the workout, it's, it's going to really depend on the person. So the example I like to share is if let's take the marathon, for example, if you take one of the, some of the top marathoners in the world, we're looking at an event that takes just over two hours, just a couple minutes in some cases over two hours. So for that person, the intensity they're going to be going at is going to be drastically different than say somebody who's finishing in the four to five hour range, because the person going for four to five hours, they're covering the same distance, but in order to be able to sustain for four to five hours, they have to slow down relative to the person finishing in low two hours. So it almost becomes a completely different event at that point. The way to think about it is the person running a marathon in four to five hours, they are going to be working at a similar intensity as if you take that two hour marathoner and have them do a race that would take them roughly four to five hours. So you oftentimes end up in two different intensity targets, depend upon that person's finishing target. So when you're looking at kind of where to place these intensities, the intensities of these different workouts in your own training, be thinking about what the intensity is going to be at the event you're doing, and then start kind of putting these pieces together. All right. So I think that's it. If you have any follow-up questions about the long intervals or even the short intervals, endurance training simplified, uh, long run considering the variable episodes, shoot me a note. You can reach me at HPO podcast at gmail.com or reach out to me on my website, which is zachbitter.com or any of my social media channels. Instagram is at zachbitter, Twitter is at zbitter, and Facebook is at zbitterendurance. Hey folks, just a quick reminder that this episode sponsors are my friends at LMNT Electrolytes. They have a wide range of electrolyte supplements and are currently offering listeners to this podcast a free sample pack with purchase. If you are interested in checking them out and letting them know that you came to them through here, you can go to drinklmnt.com forward slash HPO or to the show sponsor landing page, which is just zackbitter.com forward slash HPO sponsors. Links to that are in the show notes as well. Thanks for tuning into this episode of the Human Performance Outliers podcast with Zach Bitter. 